Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Disneyland, the place where dreams come true. Yeah. Oh. That's right. John, wake up. Wake up. Uh, wake up. I, I, did we sleep in the same room last night? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> There's only one room here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I, I, you know, in my dream, I just forgot where we were, and and look, we're in the the guest, the the special Disneyland Dream Suite. Disneyland Dream Suite. I guess it's not a secret. Yeah, you it's, can find it. Well, yeah. well noted. In fact, I think this looks like uh, Matt Damon left some <laughs> clothing here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we we just uh, we completed the first half of our journey around Disneyland. Yeah, and you can listen to that in the part one of our this uh, discussion. Yeah, uh, and we got tired, so we spent the night in the Disneyland Dream Suite. Here. I won a, a promotion and got us this one night stay. Sprung that on me at the last I minute. I did. I wish I would have prepared. Yeah, I'm gonna have to wear my same clothes uh, today. <laughs> Well, I guess I could. I could just wear Damon's clothes. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> All right, let me get changed real quick. Yep. And then we'll we'll head out into the park. Okay, I'll wait for you uh, out there. Okay, thanks. You know what? Never mind. I didn't sweat yesterday. It's fine. Okay. Yeah, Let's we're go. good. All New right. Orleans Square. Wow. We started talking about New Orleans Square yeah. in the last episode when we, we talked mentioned about this ride bus. Pirates of us the right Caribbean. Now. Yeah. Uh, but New Orleans Square has a much more uh, storied history. And uh, I mean, well, so New Orleans Square, pound for pound, mm-hmm. when you consider the uh, two attractions contained in New Orleans Square and you consider their legacy. Yeah. That's... It's hard to argue that there is any more important corner of a theme park than the one we're standing in right now. Right. We've got Pirates of the Caribbean over here. And there, over yonder, oh. is an old uh, antebellum mansion that contains 999 happy haunts. Yeah. And I think they got room for one more. Oh. Um, if, you, if you even extend it just beyond New Orleans Square, if mm. I might, you've got a, a three, three major players in the theme park attraction world in a row. Yeah, one right after the other. Right? Yeah. And, and we're talking about Splash Mountain, which is uh, f- a little further beyond Haunted Mansion, which we'll get to. We'll That's get there. Critter Country. Yeah. We're uh, planted firmly in New Orleans Square right now. Yeah. And I think also, and I think we did talk about this a bit on the last episode, not to be outdone, you do have these two behemoths of the theme park world, you know, taking residence in this part of the park. But across from them is this awesome, uh, like, Vista? river scene. Yeah, yeah. It's such a cool area. Yeah. And we talked about how there's so much going on here. You've got the river boats going by, and you've got the raft, and you've got the, the canoes, canoes. And, and you've got Tom Sawyer Island, which I don't know if it's... Um, accessible right now. Oh, really? Is it uh I know offline? it was closed for a little while for maybe some for, for some refurbishment. Ah, understandable. Um well, we can sort of see it from here. It, yeah. And in in a way, 
appreciating Tom Sawyer Island from afar is is maybe the best way to do it. <laughs> I think what's so cool about it, though, is, is similar to uh, how we talked about the, uh, the submarine mm-hmm. in Tomorrowland. You see it and you're like, that's cool. I like to, you know, that's fun to look at. Yeah. You don't realize you can experience that. You can get in those submarines. Yeah. I think with the same with Tom Sawyer Island, you're like, oh, look, there's a little there's island. There's nice scenery you out there. You can go to that. Like, there is a there are multiple ways to get there yeah and it's a fully so functioning cool. island yeah. yeah yeah um but tell me about new orleans square new orleans square like a lot of stuff in disneyland came about basically because walt took a vacation <laughs> <laughs> which i think you know this doesn't really get talked about but it's one of the most relatable things about mm-hmm. Disneyland and Walt's relationship to it, I think. Because when you think about it, like the the most memorable experiences that we have tend to be, um, I think, uh, times where we are in new places, we travel to places, you know, like, I mean, that this is what we do as a culture. We go on vacation and then we show everybody our vacation <laughs> photos, you know, we update our profile photos yeah. or whatever. Um, and Walt just took it one step further and decided to recreate all of those destinations in Disneyland. Yeah. And so he went to new Orleans, he fell in love with it. Uh, he came back to the, to California and said, Herb, (laughs) Mark, (laughs) boys come into my office for a little bit. All right. Mr. Disney. (laughs) Ever been to new Orleans? I can't say that I have, Chief. We're going to build it right here at Disneyland. We've got this river right here. We need a town at the bend of the river. All right, if you say so, Mr. Disney. You've got the weekend. <laughs> Figure it out. Oh, sweat. Sweat. <laughs> so they, they did it, though. They I mean, they did. It's, you know, certainly no, no fabricated recreation of a city as nuanced as new orleans is ever going to be you you wouldn't mistake this for the real new orleans but the immersiveness this is really the first time that disney actually took an existing place Mm -hmm. a place that people were fairly familiar with or a lot of people were familiar with a place that people live and people visit already and created in the evocation of that. Mm-hmm. And so the attention to detail here is even greater, I think, than it is in any other park because or any other land in the park yeah. because it had to be. I think it's easy. I think it's a it's an area of the park that from from Disney park fans absolutely gets its due. People are very reverent of it and and you know, love it. But I think your general park goer probably doesn't acknowledge it as yeah. much, you know, because it's so, it's sort of done so well that you don't really, uh, you're not like spellbound by it. Yeah. It's it just, just sort, sort of, of feels natural. Yeah. Yeah. It feels very natural. Yeah. That's a really good way to describe it. Um, what, so what is, what does it consist of? Not talking about the rides. We've there's the Blue Bayou, the Blue Bayou restaurant, restaurant, which, 
Yeah. Which is a really cool restaurant that is very expensive. I've not, <laughs> I've not eaten there. A friend of mine, uh, was there with his friend and they went on Pirates of the Caribbean and Pirates actually goes by the Blue Bayou restaurant. And he was like, you know, I've always wanted to eat at this place. We should, you know, after the ride, let's get off and go eat lunch there. And he said that they sat down and like opened up the menu. And they're like, oh, this is super expensive. <laughs> and they had to tell the server, we're actually can't afford this. So we're going to leave. <laughs> but the cool thing about it is um, it's it's indoors but it's uh styled as if it's nighttime out on like the water yeah out on a veranda it's it's a eternally twilight i feel like it's so effective yeah just i mean i haven't eaten there but you can see it fully by riding pirates of the caribbean because it goes right by it yeah it almost and the same way that we talked about new orleans square in general like when you're when you're going by it in the pirates boat it almost looks like like it's it, it it doesn't look like it's a a quote unquote fake yeah thing like right. it, it looks like oh there there's actually like operational stuff yeah. going on over there it's it 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 feels like it just it 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 legitimizes the the bayou environment that yeah. you're in in such a huge way I have eaten there um, yeah. twice I think and it is the it's it's tricky because it it, it the food is really good, but it's 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 set up for dinner. Yeah, which is fine if you're eating dinner there. But <laughs> you know, if you're if you're eating lunch, yeah. <laughs> you end up with like this giant <laughs> plate of yeah. you know jerk salmon and <laughs> yeah <laughs> red beans and rice and stuff. There's no way you could ever possibly right. finish this. You certainly are not going to like take a to-go bag or whatever while you go down the way to yeah. Splash Mountain or whatever. You know, like, are you going to do a bag check every ride for your oh, leftovers? That would be amazing. <laughs> I mean, it kind of sounds like a fun challenge anyway, but yeah. Uh, but it, it's like the the ambitiousness of it. Yeah. Again, it like totally set a new standard when it was opened mm-hmm. in the '60s, um, and it, it's 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 a little weird now. Especially like going as an adult and, you know, when I go into a place like that where this is a really rich environment and I'm, I'm sitting down for like a substantial meal, it sort of just like goes hand in hand that I'd love to have like a glass of wine or something with it. Right. They don't serve no, alcohol don't. in Disneyland. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a strange experience, yeah. but it's it's definitely something that you should at least pop your head in and see it. What you'll need to do is <laughs> once... Star Wars Galaxy's Edge Black Spire Outpost on the planet Batu opens. At the Outer Rim. At the Outer Rim. You can go to... Og's er, Cantina? Oh. Uh, <laughs> Nog's Cantina? Og's Cantina. You're thinking of Nog from Star Trek. Um, <laughs> you can go to the Cantina. Quirks. And, get, and, and order <laughs> a Yip Nip <laughs> drink. And then take that over to the Blue Bayou. But you can't. Yeah, I know. Apparently. But what if you yeah, did? But, but that's the thing to do. Or just yeah. like sneak it in there. And you really. only can't because that messes up the theming. They right. don't mind. They don't. It's not the drinking part. Yeah, they don't care that you're taking this across the, the park. I What I love about Blue Bayou is something that I feel like even doesn't happen enough at Disney is this confluence of ideas 
where and and it, and it and it I think this happened just because of space, but the fact that that ride, you know, goes through the bayou there mm-hmm. alongside a restaurant. It's such a cool confluence of two things. Yeah, bringing together different elements yeah. that in many places would just be like, okay, here's the building where we put the ride. Right. And then next to it, here's the building where we put the restaurant. And it happens elsewhere in Disneyland. The train goes through different uh, yeah. ride areas. The, um, I think the people mover used to when it was in operation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not like that's the only thing. The, the jungle cruise kind of goes by yeah. the temple. Um, but I just wish that kind of happened more, you know, more. It's such a, it's, I think what's exciting about it is it's teasing you to like, you're like, Oh, what's that? You know, like whether you're eating at blue Bayou or riding pirates, you're looking at the other thing. Like what's, this is a whole other. Yeah. You're constantly being pulled to keep going and explore more stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. It is. And it, it, it works in, in a lot of different ways in New Orleans square too. I think, because it, it, you also have the train station, mm-hmm. um, sort of tucked away in the back. Um, so there are these layers throughout and the, w- the way that it's structured, this is another trick that I think they've employed in a lot of other places, but this is really where it got its start where it, the, the footprint of new Orleans square is not very large, right? but it feels like you, it goes on forever. Right, right. You know, they've, and they've, they've used forced perspective to a certain degree. Yeah. They've used like these, the, the way it turns and curves so that you can't ever get like a clear view right, of what's right. around the corner. You can only see an, a, enough of a glimpse to sort of pull yeah. you, pull your attention forward. In some cases, I think you can see paths that you can't actually access, but it, yeah. it sort of gives you the sense that this area is larger than it is. Yeah. Um, and it's vibrant too. It, 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 every structure has something yeah. in it. There's a store or a restaurant or something. So there's constantly people moving in and out and around. Didn't they build, isn't, I think there's maybe like three floors to each building. Like if you're standing in the street and looking up mm-hmm. and I think each successive floor is shorter, right? Like yeah. I think maybe the second floor is like half the size it, it really would be. And then maybe the, the third is even shorter. So you get that forced perspective of, the building seeming taller than it actually is. Yeah. Yeah. You feel like you're, you're in a full, yeah. You get the alley effect. Um, yeah. Even though it's, it's really, and I think it's just two stories. Oh, is it just two? I, but I think the, the facades might be three. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. Like exactly. Structurally yeah. there are just one and two floors, but yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, let's, let's keep moving around the bend here. Okay. Because we've got another, titan of the industry we got to talk about the haunted mansion um i think what's really fascinating about it is um this ride that i mean the idea for this was there from the beginning right Mm -hmm. they always wanted this kind of haunted mansion thing and i think you know initially when they're sort of brainstorming ideas for disneyland and sort of laying out what will be there there was this idea of just having you know, like on main street mm-hmm. having this facade that would be look like sort of this old scary, decrepit yeah, yeah mansion every town has a haunted house so this was going to be right main street exactly. haunted house yeah um and 
eventually there was talk of, well, let's make it an attraction. And, and I think it was going to be a wax museum, sort of a walkthrough experience mm-hmm. for the a museum time. of the weird. That was yeah. uh, Raleigh <laughs> Crump's uh, aspect, which came much later actually. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> like the, they eventually move it off of main street. It's not going to be in main street. Um, Ken Anderson is a Imagineer who did some of the first drawings of it. Mm. Um, and the, and like this brought this attraction got passed from person to person because it kept getting delayed or pushed back or, you know, repositioned in the park. And it didn't open the Disneyland did not open with the haunted mansion. Um, and, uh, eventually they, they decide, you know, it's home is going to be in new Orleans square. And excuse me. And the a lot of those early drawings are of, like you said, this decrepit mansion and Walt's like <laughs> totally against this. He's like, no, no, no. Everything looks nice in Disneyland, right? Like I get it's a haunted mansion, but and it is the quote is we'll make it look, you know, we'll keep it nice on the outside. And we'll let the ghosts, the ghosts take, care, can of the take inside. care of it. Yeah, it's it's an interesting idea, and and what's great about it is it still looms large. You don't like, yeah, you don't look at it and think, oh, that's not scary, right? Like, yeah. like it's it's still impressive, and it fits the aesthetic of the overall land, which is nice. And I I don't know that I if I were the one. Uh, making these decisions if i would have the restraint yeah like i would i would i think i would definitely be like no no let's make this look really take it all out scary weird lighting and yeah but it's i think it's it looks great um it's one of the greatest examples that that come immediately to mind of like just the presentation of the architecture and like how you approach it like the the entryway the gates to the haunted mansion are like kind of at they're at they're at an angle yeah, yeah. right so you you don't come upon the house right. head on right. right there's no way to do that there's a there's a, yeah. a brick wall around the front of it so the way you come at it and you're kind of at a slightly lower elevation so it's yeah. already <clears throat> yeah. higher than you are and you're at this like you're looking at it at the corner yeah. and so it has this it, it's a very cinematic technique and it's a very like um, emotionally manipulative yeah yeah technique um, I read about like uh, the like all the different iterations that this went through. It was going to be a walkthrough experience. Um, for a long time, it was like a sea captain uh, was the owner of the mansion and had died, and so it was sort of his. Uh, I guess the story was about him. The ghost host eventually became a thing. I forget who introduced that idea. It was one of the early people who worked on the story. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, and uh, there was, at one point, the ghost host would be a, an actual person who walked mm. you through the experience and would be telling you about the history of, you know, the rooms and stuff. And eventually you would come upon this room where a grisly murder, murder had taken place, where this new newlyweds had been murdered, and the ghost host would reveal he had murdered them. <laughs> and then you would... And then I think the idea was that this raven or something would show you a secret way out to get away from the ghost host and 
I mean, there's such cool ideas. And all of these elements kind of still some, exist. Yeah, in yeah. Some the ghost host obviously does exist, plays yeah. a big part still. Um, I feel like I've read there's some kind of raven element. I think in the hallway. Yeah. I think as you when when you exit the stretching room. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it there the, or maybe it's the tops of the the thing, the um, the. Uh, Stanchions. Those are gargoyles. Okay. okay. Or bats. Okay. Or or a bat gargoyle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I feel like there is some some element of the raven in that hallway, sort of leading you down to get on your doom buggy. Doom buggy. Um, But I so like eventually, the team that gets put on this ride is uh, Claude Coates, Mark Davis, and Exitensio. Um, Claude Coates and Mark Davis are going to design it. Existencia is going to write the story. And the crazy thing is they built the facade and it sat there for like six years before it ever opened. They were still trying to figure out what they were going to do with it. There was a sign outside that said something about, you know, we're setting up a really nice sort of retirement home for ghosts here and... Uh, we'll be taking new residents soon or something. And apparently that sign kind of, uh, for better or worse, uh, sort of backed Exitensio into a corner for his story. He was like, well, I guess I'll go off of this. This has to be the premise. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Waltz passed away before they completed it. And, uh, and I think it's fairly well known amongst theme park enthusiasts that he, you know, he was the decision maker, obviously, and he sort of had his team of people and Walt always had the last say, right? So, um, with the haunted mansion, after he passed away, there was kind of, I don't, I don't know how much of a conflict, but it, there was apparently a conflict between Claude Coates and Mark Davis about should haunted mansion be funny or scary? Mark Davis was a character animator uh, for Disney, and he thought it should be funny. And Claude Coates, who was a, a, a background painter uh, and sort of set designer, felt it should be scary. And um, and so you end up having kind of a three-act structure to this ride because they couldn't really come to... No one, you know... There was nobody to call nobody the shots. Nobody to say, yeah. it's going to be this. And so they kind of all got to have their own portion of the ride in a way. Yeah. So this, and it actually works really well, well to where the ride begins sort of Claude Coates style where everything's environmental and experiential and you don't see any ghosts and it, it is legitimately really creepy, it's creepy at times. And then, um, you pass through Madame Leota's, uh, seance and she kind of awakens all the ghosts and then you get into Mark Davis territory um, which I guess would be essentially Act Two of yeah. of the uh, the ride, where you see the the ghost started to come alive and not come alive, but come uh, materialize. materialize. <laughs> <laughs> and then Act Three, I suppose, would be sort of the graveyard scene, and then uh, uh, out uh, with the uh, hitchhiking ghosts. Yeah, the graveyard scene. I mean, I know we could talk about every one of these elements for a long time, and we will. I, yeah, right now. Uh, but the graveyard scene to me is probably my favorite room in a theme park attraction yeah. and an existing theme park attraction. Like some of the old Epcot rides 
had other elements that I probably like even more. But, yeah. but man, as far as like current existing attractions, like the, the whole experience of the graveyard scene is just so as a, like a conclusion to the ride. It's wonderful. Yeah. Everything builds to this yeah. crescendo in the graveyard. It's the only uh, part of the ride where we see a human with the, the caretaker. Right. So like, right. there's a, a and very, the dog. yeah. And the dog. Um, and the way that you approach it, like you, you are essentially thrown out of a window. Yes. You fall Is, but backwards. Do you think that's true. Well, I, that's the, that's, I've heard this said before that mm-hmm. the idea that people think or say that what's happening when the, the doom buggy sort of turns backwards and, and you go at a good, what, 45 degree angle, yeah. right down a hill into the graveyard. Yeah. And I've heard people say that what's happening there is you're being thrown out of the attic and killed. And now you are a ghost. Yeah. In the, in the graveyard. I don't know if I agree with the idea that you're being killed. Sure. But I definitely feel like this is the, whether you're being escorted or you're <laughs> yeah. actually being thrown. It's such a cool concept. It's so great. And that's my, that is my favorite part of the entire ride. When you come out that window and, and go turn down. backwards. Yeah. It's, I, I, I get, so relaxed yeah like the, the the it's dark and you're moving at a pretty slow pace and you're like at sitting backward at this like 45 degree angle yeah and i'm just like man i want the ride to stop it, often it does yes. for me i mean it does <laughs> it stop stops a lot. anyway yeah, i've never but, gotten stopped there oh i, I feel like at more times than not, I get stopped oh, backwards, so falling down the thing. And it's great because, like, they keep the music playing. Yeah. So you just sit there and, like, it's like you're just hanging out in this graveyard. Yes. Wonderful. Yes. Um, that graveyard scene, it's hard to, like, keep your attention on anything. Yeah, there's so yeah. much happening. Um, I almost would. I, I think I've gotten stopped in the graveyard before on the ride. But I think it was during a holiday overlay, mm-hmm. so it was. I didn't get a good look at. There's just so many animatronics in there, uh, so much going on. Um, I everything about that ride works really well. I, I love the the song, the grim grinning ghosts. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love the way it, it meets out kind of the story to you. And it's not really a story in the sense of like there's a really clear narrative, but you there's definitely a progression yeah. that I think is really effective. Um, I love the ride vehicles. I love when you can see the other ride vehicles. Like oh, in yeah. Madame Leota's seance room, you can kind of look. If you look to the side, you can see everyone. Yeah, it's like you become of, a gallery. Oh, it's of... so cool. Um, yeah. And, and the, you glow in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I wanted to mention this when we were talking about the graveyard and and the lead up into it. The hatbox ghost. Oh yeah, yeah. The um, fabled hatbox ghost, which was a ghost that allegedly was in the plans early on. They couldn't get the gag to work, where his head disappears and appears in the hatbox that he's holding. And there's some. There's like one photo. From yeah, one that, famous old black and white yeah, picture. Yeah, like this was the Hatbox Ghost, and there's like a portrait of him somewhere in the ride. And I I love that Hatbox Ghost. 
as, you know, a thing. Yeah. Like, I see it, and I'm like, I like that. Love the effect. Because they did eventually, I think it was 2015? Something like that, yeah. They they made they got it. They made it work. And they put it back. They Not put it back. Oh, allegedly it was in the ride. Yes. Briefly, for like two weeks or something, right? Yeah. But there's a lot of documentation that contradicts that. Right. So it's been one of those things that's kind of gone back and yeah. forth. But now it's back, quote unquote, in the ride. So I like it on its own. Mm-hmm. But it does feel out of place in terms of where it is. Like, I yeah. don't under, I understand why it's there in the sense that it's cool. Mm-hmm. It's a cool ghost. But it's just, like, in a corner. Yeah. And you pass by it, like, before you go out. Uh, it's in the attic, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's after the the bride. Yeah. Her, her room. Which is... I feel like people don't talk enough about that room, the attic. Oh, yeah. It's a grisly. Super, super terrifying scene. Yeah. Where you're you're going through the attic and you're seeing all these portraits of a woman and her various husbands who, as you go by, the portrait, the head disappears on the husbands. You know, and, and there's like six or seven of these. Yeah. Right? And then at the end, she's like in a spectral form, kind of looking at you, holding a hatchet. Yeah, it's totally, yeah, it's, it's totally terrifying. Gruesome. It wasn't always that way. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I want to say they they started introducing the the disappearing head photos in like the late nineties, right? Um, but the funny thing is, like the whole scene is a lot scarier now. Yeah. But the bride herself, I think is nowhere near as creepy as the one that used to be there. I'll see if we can find some photos of the old bride that used to be in there. So now they use like a projection animation. Isn't thing it sort of the face. Pepper's ghost? No. Uh, it was an actual figure. Yeah. Oh, oh, you mean the projection on yeah. the face now? It could be. I assumed it was like rear projection yeah. onto okay. the, yeah. onto the figure, but the old bride was like basically faceless. It was just this black, yeah. you know, visage with the beating, red beating heart Whoa. in her chest. And she kind of like moved in a really rickety, oh, like man. old fashioned way. Yeah. Super, super creepy. But you leave that room and then you see the hat box ghost, right? Yeah. And yeah. It's just standing there. It And it, 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 I guess you could go, if you, if you assume that the hat box ghost is the, the, the ultimate haunted mansion in the lore of Haunted Mansion, the Hatbox Ghost is the pinnacle. <laughs> then it makes sense that you you get to the very edge of the house mm-hmm. and you see the Hatbox Ghost, and that's when you're so terrified that you fall out of the Whoa. building. I, if you go with that, I guess it makes sense. I guess. But you're right. It seems like he's, he's just sort of shoved in there because that's where they could fit him. I guess there's some connection with all the husbands losing their heads, and he can pop his head off. And yeah. I don't, you know, I don't think he's supposed to be one of the husbands, right? I don't get that impression. I don't know. I feel like, I, I mean, they were up against it, you know, putting him in there. I don't know where you put him. In. Yeah, because you want to highlight him. Absolutely, he yeah. needs to be highlighted. I think, I think my, I think there just needs to be more maybe around him, like some aspect. Yeah, he's just of an story. opaque, right? Yeah, there's like there's there is no other decoration or anything yeah. there. Yeah. Huh. Still a great ride. Amazing ride. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Well, should we uh, continue on here? Or? Yeah, let's keep keep moving west. I yeah. think I think it's west. It seems yeah, like yeah, the west, it's like a northwesty. Yeah, right. Yeah, into Critter Country. Critter Country, I believe, up until well, I think Toontown might be newer, um, but Critter Country uh, certainly up until this summer, mm-hmm. Critter Country, the largest expansion of Disneyland, uh, I believe, up until this summer. Up yeah. until this summer, yeah. Post opening, well, I guess probably post nineteen fifty nine when they added the Matterhorn and the mm-hmm. the submarines. Critter Country, uh, it's 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 right here as you come around the corner here. The 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 icon of Critter Country, Splash Mountain. Yeah, you and I have talked about Splash Mountain Many several times. times in the past. Many times. Yes, yeah. um, it, but the amazing thing we about we haven't Splash talked Mountain, much about the actual the actual ride. ride. Yeah. Now I I don't know. Tell me if you agree with me on this. The thing about Splash Mountain that is so great and the thing that immediately set it apart from other Disney rides and other theme park rides, I think, other rides of its type, mm-hmm. is that, um, you know, from from the start, from the approach, you know this is a log ride. Right. And everybody who's ever been to a theme park, an amusement park, probably has an idea of this log ride sure. thing. But so you go in with certain preconceived notions about log rides. Yeah. Like this is Disney's log ride. Okay. There's, there's clearly more going on in the queue. You know, the, there's a lot more detail there and there's, there's uh, the hints of a storyline building as you, you move through the queue. And then you, you wind further and further down into this valley. Yeah. Like the, the, the queue is so great. Um, and it's 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 kind of claustrophobic in it like is. a fun way, um, but you you finally get on the ride and you immediately start going up a hill. Yeah, and now you've just you've yeah. just walked yes. past this giant drop. Yes, uh, this uh, is, and yeah. so you you are immediately going up a hill and you're thinking like, like oh, we're this, starting this with is that. It. <laughs> we go on that drop, yeah. but you don't. Yeah, you do and go down a drop. You do go down a drop, but that that's where the this the amazement of Splash Mountain like started for me yeah because like you you're already you you get a little nervous because you think you're about to go down this big hill and then you don't and so you relax and then you come around to ben and there's another little hill and you think oh here it is yeah, this here's is the, the one hill. nope that's not it there are like six I drops in yeah, Splash before Bat. you yeah before you the, even get to the big to one the big one and it's yeah. what's great is even if you're standing outside and looking at it it looks like if you if you're not really paying attention to who's in those logs, yeah, it looks like that hill that drop happens kind of fast. Yeah, like immediately. Like I think you see one log kind of go in, and then not long after you'll see a log come down the drop. Yeah, and you're like, oh, that's you know, wow. Yeah, but I think they yeah that ride really uh, surprises you throughout multiple ways in multiple dimensions. I mean, you're, like you said, like if you're if you've been on a log ride anywhere else, you sort of have this idea of what it is and it delivers on what a log ride is. But at the same time, you have this amazing show. Yeah. Um, and, and the, and sort of how it came to be is kind of a great story where they have this ride previously called or, or attraction called 
America Sings. It was a uh, it was the replacement for the Carousel of Progress right. when they moved Carousel to Florida. Yeah, they created this musical review <laughs> in the revolving theater, and yeah. it involved all these animals singing yeah. uh, songs and stuff, and it was, I believe, not well received. <laughs> and it closed down, and then they had uh, this huge abundance of audio animatronics and what to do with them. Some of them, I think the geese, the robots underneath the Oh yeah, became, costume, became the droids. <laughs> droids in Star, Star Tours. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Amazing repurposing that. of elements. But then a lot of them got moved uh reused for Splash Mountain. Um and, and But you would never know that. Yeah. Like going exactly. through there, you would never guess that any of these right. uh animal animatronics were not in designed yeah. specifically for where they are in the ride. Yeah. Um, I love that. So the, the, the ride unfortunately has a connection to, um, a Disney property that is not looked well upon, uh, for very good reasons. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it comes from the song of the South feature that they did, which has some pretty racist elements to it. Um, and, you know, they've lifted the sort of the folklore aspects that that was that it was trying to. Yeah. Um, celebrate. Maybe so the movie was yeah. trying, you know, in its stupid way. You know, it, it's it, much like a lot of Disney. It seems like it was trying to uh, optimize. Yeah. Something. Exactly. You know, That's it was good. it was yeah, it like, was trying to create a like, very optimal right version of like history. This and, is the good thing that right, came out right. of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but it sort of lifts these characters from that Brer Rabbit, Brer Bear, and Brer Fox, along with uh, one of the folk tales that comes out of it, which is Brer Rabbit and the Briar Patch, and you know, applies it to this ride. And I wonder if it would still be there if it wasn't so crazy successful. Yeah. It's still a hugely popular ride. I was actually just looking at the Disneyland app. Um, cause I, I want to go on it right now. Immediately. But yeah. It's an 85 minute wait Oof. right now. <laughs> And it's not even the summer. I mean, it's I cold. I know. I know. People are going to get wet, oh and then they're going to be cold. Um, but I, I think my favorite part of the ride happens after the drop. You think you're done. Yeah. Now we're going to get out of this boat. And there's more show. Like, yeah. you, you then see this fantastic scene of the riverboat with, I believe, the majority of those America Sings uh, animatronics on the riverboat sort of. It's the zippity doo dah moment, and the the yeah the movement of that boat yeah, as it's, it's rocking. rocking back and forth yeah. is so great. Yeah, um, there's just so much fun, so many fun moments throughout the ride. I love the beehives with the yeah little bees buzzing around them. Um, I think there's like a turtle in there who's like hanging out on the back of his shell in the water. Um, yeah, enjoying the laughing place. Yeah, I love. Yeah. I think early on when you first get in the log and you're sort of in the outside part, you go by these little houses yeah. that are like uh, chip chipmunk or squirrel houses or something. Some yeah. small critter. Um, 
it's just really it's 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 a very experiential ride. Yeah. And it, and um Disney definitely misses the mark. You know, as much as anyone else. Like if you think about like the Little Mermaid ride. I don't know if you've been on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Which by all, you know, you you sort of like if you were if I were to tell you, well, you're going to go on this ride and you're going to be told the story of the little mermaid uh and it has these elements you know it has the omnimover ride system which is a beloved ride system it has um you know animatronics this great uh has this great ursula animatronic mm-hmm. and you would say wow you know that sounds, sounds great. great sign me up and then you go on it and you're like how did that how was that boring <laughs> And there's something about, like, the, just the, I, I don't know what it is about um, the way, you know, Splash Mountain is designed versus a ride like that. I mean, Splash Mountain has a thrill to it that yeah, sure. Little Mermaid doesn't. But it the, the way it tells you the story, the way it, it, it gives you pieces of the story as you go, the way it surprises you throughout. Well, it kind of works both ways. Like, it, you, you could follow it as the story of Br'er Rabbit. Yeah. Right, you know. But it's also a very relatable um, uh, journey for anyone else to be like, okay, here's this tranquil space. Mm-hmm. And you could hang out here if you want to, but if you're just willing to go outside your, your, uh, the confines of your, your safe zone and see what is down the road, you know, you might like it. And so you, you're, you're enticed and you move along to this laughing place and you're like, yeah, you're right. This was a great idea. I'm so glad we did this because now I'm having such a great time. Whoops. <laughs> While I was having such a great time, I maybe had too good of a time yeah. and now I'm in trouble. And I think like that that journey is something that's like totally anyone can relate to that. Yeah. And you know, you find yourself feeling what Br'er Rabbit feels. You're like, I'm such a moron. Yeah. Why couldn't I just <laughs> hang out <laughs> where everything was tranquil and right. peaceful? I, you know, it's it's funny we're talking about how you think you you're going down the big drop so many times, but they definitely let you know when you're about to, because the the build up to the actual drop is yeah. so good, like so suspenseful. Those vultures oh, hanging out man, there, man. Yeah. Yes, and you've got like Br'er Fox is like so menacing and evil, and Br'er Rabbit's really like you know he has that look of horror oh on his my face gosh, when he's captured and. And so you're like, oh, this is the drop. Yeah, yeah. Here it comes. And it it's a great drop. It is. It really delivers. Well, I don't... <laughs> this line's too long. We got to keep moving. I think that... Uh, let's keep going forward. Oh, there's a wall here. Oh. Huh. Um, well. Let's just, we'll turn around. We'll, we'll turn around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you around. know what? I love this river. Let's just walk around okay. here. Let's yeah. talk about the rivers of America. Okay. This is an original uh, opening day mm-hmm. attraction. I mean, it is an attraction in and of itself. Mm-hmm. The, did you know that all of the rivers of America are contained in this river? Really? Water from every single river in America was used. Every to single christen, river. Yes, yes. This all river. of them. All of them. Yeah. Now, I realize it's been drained 
a few <laughs> thousand times yeah. since Disneyland but opened. But don't they always go but out? I'm sure they, yeah, they've got a crew that just goes out Good. there, collects more water. Or maybe they have out. some stored. That probably was a smart thing to yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> but it's great. And like we mentioned, you can there are many water yeah. vehicles. You can see them buzzing around here. The rafts are great. The canoes are great. But my favorite is always going to be Mark Twain. Really? Yeah. Really? The Mark Twain Riverboat. Um, now, I, I might like the Disney World Magic Kingdom version a little bit better just because it's bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've got, I've got mad love for riverboats in general, and in particular this one, because, well, I mean, when you're a kid, it, 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 it's a very deceptive experience. Yeah. Because, like, when you're, when you're a child, you know, you want to go on the things that you know, like you, you know about Pirates of the Caribbean or you know yeah. about all the Fantasyland attractions. Right. And you're just like, this is just a dumb riverboat. <laughs> I went to Hannibal, Missouri two years ago and we rode on a riverboat. Yeah. This is just a dumb <laughs> riverboat. But it, it, it's, it surprised me as a kid. You know, I was so into it. Uh, just the, the, the volume of stuff that you see and experience along the, the ride. Mm-hmm. Um, as an adult, I love it even more. Because it is totally just placemaking. It's yep. it's just like to legitimize the river and right. everything that we've built around here. Like it 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 fills it in, you know, and makes it tangible. Um, and it's also featured in probably my favorite sequence in any theme park uh, TV special. <laughs> oh yeah, and that is. Uh, from Disneyland After Dark. I think I've mentioned Disneyland After Dark on the show before, but uh, this was uh, maybe nine, ten years after Disneyland had opened. Okay. And uh, the whole... It, there's really hardly any park park in yeah. Disneyland After Dark. It's basically just an excuse to have musical performances and show some of the live entertainment around the, the, around the park. But uh, you get uh, Louis Armstrong performing... <laughs> oh. On this riverboat. Wow. And it's just, there's this amazing shot where it's, it's, you know, it's after dark. So you, you can't really see much, but you can see the lights of the riverboat and you can just see it kind of slowly coming around the bend. Yeah. And you can hear faint in the Uh. background, the sounds of the music playing. And it just, every time it gets me, it is, it's the, this notion of like people having a real experience in, in this not real place. And that's what this park means to me. It's it's huh. all distilled right in there. And it's, you know, you, you can criticize it. Absolutely. You yeah. can say like, you know what? If you want to have this experience, go get on a real riverboat, dummy. Yeah. Fair enough. Sure. You know, but I think especially when you, the reason that it's so acute and so effective for me at places like Disneyland is because you don't have all of the barriers that you do in any other real experience right. for it. You know, like I didn't have to figure out where to park to get on this riverboat. Yeah. I left my car behind, yep. you know, hours and hours ago. Like I'm already in a headspace where I'm willing to embrace this and see it the way they want me to see it. Yeah. You know, that, you know, that there's sort of going off of that. I think, you know, an argument or a criticism that, that is sort of thrown at Disney parks in general is the sort of fakeness of them or, you know, why not just go experience the real thing, go to new Orleans, Mm -hmm. uh, or, or go to, um, you know, the, uh, uh, 
California. Nepal. <laughs> Nepal. Yeah, go to California. <laughs> go to Nepal or whatever. You know, yeah, don't yeah. go to this fake Climb the real Mount Everest. Yeah. And, like, I get that. I absolutely understand uh, that compulsion to be like, this is fake, so it's not worthwhile. Yeah. But I think what is what people maybe don't think about and maybe it's less of a thing now because the cost is becoming prohibitive but the ability to experience a version of those things all in one place yeah let's say you you let's say you go up, go on vacation once in your life you know you're you're not a person who can take a yearly vacation who or can leave the country or can right. you know or let's say you've you somehow, you know, have the chance to visit Disneyland and out of, you know, 10 years, this is your one trip. It affords you experiences you would likely never have had, you know. Yeah. It, it, it gives you this, this sort of magic of that in a safe place, right? In a place where you don't have to think about, like you said, a lot of logistics that would be attached to doing the real thing um and you know yes you can criticize that all day but i think for for people who can't do those things you know the differently abled the you know those who who can't afford big trips like that i mean this in itself is an expensive absolutely not trying to make it seem like it's cheap but you know I think it's more likely that you would end up at Disneyland than you would end up, you know, in Nepal <laughs> or yeah. whatever, right? Yeah. Like yeah. so so to the, to that criticism, I say, you know, well, not everyone has that luxury. So this luxury is somewhat attainable. Yeah. And and, and it's a controlled experience. Yeah. You know, it delivers what it promises yeah. whereas, you know, anything could go wrong. I mean, anything can go wrong anytime, sure. But, yeah. you know, like, the the more real yeah. experience you have, you know, climbing Mount Everest, right? there's a lot of challenges there. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of things that could go wrong. Yeah. You could physically impair yourself. Yeah. You could die. There's a very select few people who can actually do that. Right. But you can have something approximating that experience, yeah. and it will it will hit the right notes, you know, the things that you're looking for the exhilaration and and the the mystique and everything like yeah. it'll it'll deliver on all of that for m- hundreds of thousands of right. people every exactly. month you know and it's not as if you're it's not as if disney is trying to fool you right right like it's the the it's like saying why bother watching that movie when you could go to that place yeah right like this is this is purposefully a fake experience. You know, they're, they're not trying to equate it to or make it comparable to the real thing. They're just yeah. creating a version of it for you to experience. Um, I like the Columbia, though. Oh, well. Over the I mean, river there's, boat. there's nothing wrong with the Columbia. <laughs> the Columbia being that sailing ship we referenced in the previous, in part one of this. But every time I'm there, I'm like, I can't skip. If I'm getting on a boat on the rivers of America, I gotta get on the pirate ship because mm-hmm. it's so. I that 
I can I see the riverboat and I'm like, well, yeah, you can fit a riverboat on here. Sure, <laughs> it's a river, right? I'm not as uh, not that I'm not impressed, but I'm just like, well, that's where it belongs. Yeah, but a sailing. When ship. I see that sh- that <laughs> thing, I'm like, what? How is that here? <laughs> it's massive. Yeah. It's so big. Um, that was how the pirates arrived, as I recall. Oh, was it? <laughs> when when they opened Pirates of the Caribbean, that's fantastic. they sailed into the harbor oh, on wow. the Columbia. Yeah, but it, I mean, that's the. I think what's so cool about that for both the uh, riverboat and the Mark Twain and the Columbia is you can walk into uh, Rivers of America area and not see them. Yeah, and they come out from around that bend and you're like what is where did that come from (laughs) and then again like with a lot of these other things you can get on it you can ride those ships and it's so i i i went on the columbia for the first time i think um certainly for the first time as an adult uh a few years ago and i i went i stood at the very back which is kind of one of the tallest parts of it and it, I literally got in the very back corner and it was just, I just sat there and am not embarrassed to say that I imagined myself like uh, as a sailor, like, you know, sailing along on the quote unquote open seas. But yeah, it was like, this is the experience. Like, this is what it would be like. And it, it's such a cool, like I was just looking out across the deck and it just blew my mind. And, and, you know, you go on this really slow little journey around the river, but I was totally captivated. And, uh, I, I don't know, uh, every time I'm like Mark Twain or Columbia, you know, like <laughs> I'm just so much more entranced by, by the Columbia yeah. that I have yet to go on the Mark Twain, which I'm sure gives you a sim. but I guess the thing is I can't, like, I can't help but think, well, that's kind of like the ferry boat. Oh, that yeah. takes you to <laughs> Magic, Magic Kingdom. Kingdom in Florida. <laughs> I'm a big fan of that ferry boat, I mean, too. I like it, too. <laughs> um, anyway, let's, let's... I totally get that. There's there's something I wanted to uh, talk about. We, we, we breezed past it uh, yesterday <laughs> when we were... <laughs> when we started our journey. Um, actually, let's hold... Actually, let me hold that because we're... I just realized we're walking up to one of the best rides here. Another uh, Tony Baxter uh, yeah, creation. That's right. Cr- Tony Baxter basically like created yeah. this whole side of Disneyland. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Big Thunder Mountain. Yeah. A runaway rail. Wait a minute. Runaway railway. <laughs> Where have I heard that? <laughs> Something... Something else has that name <laughs> somewhere else. Um, a runaway mine train. Yeah, I'm gonna call it that. Is that accurate? That's totally accurate. These are the the mines, silver mines. There's a I think, story right? to this that I've never really picked up on in writing, and I don't think you need to. But yeah, the idea is that like there's this ghost town, right? Isn't it a ghost town? Yeah, and um. The train, is it haunted? It is. I think you... The uh, the element of this that um, that I don't think is, is 
brought up enough is you my take on Big Thunder Mountain. So we mentioned in Fantasyland mm-hmm. that um, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride is one of those rare, rare experiences, especially rare in a Disney theme park, where you die. Yeah. Not only do you die, but you go to hell. Yeah. Here, you really are part of the ghost. Like, you are a ghost on this ride. Right. Because you, I think, you are reliving the experience of your death okay. over the course of this ride. Right. What what you, when you go through these tunnels, you, well, first, there's there's dynamite, right? They're, yes. they're They're mining for silver or gold. Yeah. And so... It, it, in a way, it's sort of, I don't know if this was intentional or if it's just like a happy byproduct, but, you know, when you start out on a roller coaster, you get that clickety sound as you're coming around. They they accompany that with the sound of the dynamite sticks, like the crackle of the lit sticks of dynamite. And then there's this explosion and you're you're sent off on your your journey yeah. careening through uh, this these these caverns and and hillsides and everything, and then eventually the train goes completely off the tracks. Right, and I mean you're you're dead. <laughs> you are dead as you ride this ride. Yeah, <laughs> I, which is it's such a. Nobody ever talks about it. Like, no, n- people never talk about the yeah. story behind this. I think it's the thing is it it's it is sufficient as just like this crazy train. Yeah, yeah, and it it is it's another staple of amusement parks like the old mine train, runaway train. Yeah, yeah. but again, so much better than any other yeah. version of that. I and and I think in Disneyland, um, this version of it is uh not not often that does this happen where they're like we're gonna quote unquote plus this up mm-hmm. we're gonna close the ride for a time and we're gonna alter a few things and not often does it happen in my opinion that it's better after yeah but they really made the, have you ridden it since yeah. so but it used to be that you the one of the big moments is you go up this hill you're going through the mine and um, I don't think anything really happened physically other than the the explosion sound, yeah. right? But the idea was that you're being blasted out of there yeah. as this dynamite goes off. But when they redid it, this, this tunnel you go through, this hill, it's so amazing. They, the effects are really simple where it's just lit, the, the tunnel is lit. You know, it's red lighting, so you get this sense of like it's very sinister. Yeah, and they they have like sort of lights, like these wicks that are that are sparking, and lights. You know, little light running along the side of the walls, like following you up. Yeah, sort of leading you to the top, and then this fantastic effect of the explosion, where they sort of it, it's like steam or mist that's being blasted out of an air cannon, but it's lit to look like flame. And it's just like the, the whole, it's noisy and it's scary. Like and echoing like, oh from inside gosh, those cavern such walls. such a cool moment. And I was like, gosh, they really, like this really makes the ride a thousand times better. Yeah. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's not the, it's a thing that it doesn't need, 
but it really yeah. is a plus on that. Right? And I think it's the simplicity of the effects. You know, it didn't feel overdone. Yeah. It sort of felt like, let's use, you know, techniques that sell the idea. Yeah, it's the kind of thing that you could you could almost assume it's always been that way. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You would you would write this and you'd be like, well, this was probably how it was when it opened. Right. Um that's one that that I didn't uh as a kid, you know, I Space Mountain had really <laughs> scared me. And and I didn't go on Thunder Mountain until uh much later in Disney World. I just didn't have the appreciation for it that I now have. Like, I love that ride now. Yeah. Especially since that little upgrade that they did. Um, but uh, I don't know if we have time to go on this one either. It does typically have a pretty long wait. Um, so I do want to, as I said, there's something I would like to cover mm-hmm. that we did not cover. You, I mean, you've... You spoke aloud that you did not want to talk about it. But I'm going to grab you by the arm here. I'm going to drag you back over to Tomorrowland. Oh, all right. Let's go. And This is a long walk, but <laughs> bear with me. <laughs> walk by the... Oh, there's scaffolding over the... How long were we asleep? <laughs> the, the, the castle is... That's the magic of Disney. Covered <laughs> with scaffolding and a scrim. There's a picture of the castle in front of the castle. Wow. Okay. They really, this stuff happens overnight, literally. All right. I'm walking you up to Star Tours. All right. But I don't want to talk about this iteration of Star Tours. Really? I'd like to talk about the iteration that preceded it. The original. Yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking about it. I, I, not that long ago, watched on YouTube the original ride uh, uh, video. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know, when Star Tours opened, it didn't use any characters from the movies other than you saw C-3PO and R2-D2 in the line. Mm-hmm. And Chewbacca in the video. The Was little in, oh, pre-show, the <laughs> yeah, which is the, the there are two like amazing moments in, yeah. in that video, he isn't? Th- and there's also one of the characters from the Ewok movies, yes, in that video, yes. You that that original loading video um, when they caution you about uh, well, first they they tell you don't take any flash photos, and that's uh, somebody. St- sneaks a, a <laughs> flash photo of Chewbacca yeah. and he freaks out and yeah. like threatens Aww. a kid's life. That's great. But the two things that I love, one, you've got Reyes from the, uh, from the cantina or maybe he was on Jabba's barge. He's the guy with, that has like the three yeah, like, pokey yeah, yeah, eyes yeah, yeah, coming yeah. out there. He's got like a bunch of cigarettes in right. his mouth and he's, he's holding, you know, like food and drink, you know, to show you're not supposed to do that. Right. But then they when they show you how to buckle your seatbelt, uh-huh. this human turns and, and puts the, the buckle to the left uh-huh. in there. And sitting in the seat next to them watching all of this is this tiny little furry creature. Yeah. And just the look on its face as it watches the yes, person's yes. hand go down. Is that not the guy from the Ewok movie? Uh, is it? Maybe, I don't know. I don't know what it is. is I'm it sure like we could find out. but. Fur? 
Yeah, kind of. I'm gonna. I'll. I'll look, okay, it, we'll up. look we'll, it up. We'll. We'll. We'll see if we can put this video in the, uh, in the show notes, because it's great. So it was a different time when they built Star Tours in terms of the way that they addressed attractions at the at Disneyland and Disney World. To where nowadays they build an attraction, and it's got to have some pre-existing connection to. To the, 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 the park goer. Like, yeah. the, the, they must have a reason to go on the ride beyond just wanting to go on a ride. Right. So this has to have, you know, if it's, um, you know, for instance, Frozen. Like, mm-hmm. we, no one wants to go on a ride that's just about Norway. <laughs> so let's make it about Frozen. Or... Um, <laughs> Or, or recently, Bob Iger, Iger made this insane comment about, <laughs> what did he say? Something like, you know, these rides, you're not going to the Everest or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> derisive. Like somehow, yeah, derisive, like re- references in a derisive way, one of the most popular rides <laughs> at Walt Disney World. But anyway... So so nowadays they they need it to have an emotional pull before you even write it right. So Star War Star Tours when it was built, they just were like, well, what can we create in the world of Star Wars? Because you only had the three movies by that point. I guess the holiday special had aired. Yeah, the Ewok um, movies and the Ewok movies. And it, it it's. What's fantastic about it is that original ride just expands the world of Star Wars in a really great way to where they the premise is that you are going like Star Tours is a company. You're a tourist. Yeah, and yeah. it's going to you can go to various destinations. You you walk into uh, sort of the terminal and you can see up on the board, like you can go to tattooing, arrival and departure yeah. board. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's all these different, yeah, the uh, Star Wars locations you can go to. Um, and this can- was so great too when I was a kid. Like yeah. for a multitude of reasons, like beyond it being Star Wars and everything, mm-hmm. just like Disney World and uh, Disney World at the time was like one of the first places. No, it was the first place I ever went to via plane. Mm-hmm. So like my first experience with going through an airport yeah. was to go to Disney world. So it, it sort of synced right up with that to have this like intergalactic airport experience. Yeah. You know, I'm already kind of jazzed about like airports and stuff at this point in my life. And then to get to see it rendered this way. Yes. Like made it even better. Yes. Is, this version did exist at Disneyland, right? Yeah. The, the this was the original one. This yeah. is the original. Okay. The very first one. Yeah. Um, you, so you go through the terminal and eventually, obviously, you end up on the ride, and the premise is you're supposed to just go on this tour, and your pilot is is this pilot, Rex. He's a droid, R3X, mm-hmm. and it's his first day on the job. <laughs> brakes! Brakes! <laughs> oh, my gosh. Where are the brakes? And from the get-go, he's clearly not up to the task. <laughs> But I, I just in watching the video, I was like astounded, astounded at how much more exciting, even watching it on YouTube, that was than any of the scenarios I've experienced in the new Star Tours. Yeah. Um, and in the new Star Tours, there's a multiple, um, 
sort of destinations that you can go to. It's random every time. And pretty much all of them are connected. They're they're pre-existing Star Wars thing. Locations. Yeah, locations, characters appear. And and I'm not trying to, like, um, criticize it. I think it's fine for what it is. Yeah. But, and it's, it's likely my nostalgia that's, that creates this feeling. But watching that single ride experience, that's the same one you got every single time you went on it on a YouTube window (laughs) was more thrilling to me than anything in that new ride. And the affection that you have or that you gain for Rex as a pilot, who's like, he doesn't have it together, but he pulls it together in the end. And, and you do, I, I should say, it's not like you don't, it's not like you get completely new star Wars experiences. You end with doing the trench run. Yeah. Uh, on the Death Star, so like they definitely connect it, but you're you're also doing you know you go through that crystal like um, yeah, comet thing, cave. yeah, yeah. Um, and you go through hyperspace, yeah, and, and you yeah. interact with uh, some Rogue Squadron folks, yeah, Star Tours, <laughs> Star Tours, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Doesn't he have a mustache? I think so. <laughs> I mean, is that a prerequisite? What are you doing here? This is a combat zone. And the way to get out of the, the I think you're, you get caught in a tractor beam, right? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. There's a Star Destroyer that That's gets right. you caught in a tractor beam. And the way to get out of the tractor beam is just to ease off on your main thruster. <laughs> <laughs> but that ride, it's just so good. Yeah. And, and, and I think part of it, you know, is like, I, I'm pretty sure it was the same, you know, models were used. Um, oh yeah, yeah. To film that stuff as opposed to computer. It feels very tactile and yeah, real. And Rex is just a fantastic character. And in the new ride, he's replaced with C three PO as your pilot. Um, Rex is gonna come back though. We'll get him back soon. So I I won't complain too much. But I I wish. So apparently, Star Tours ran until the late nineties in Paris. Oh, maybe even long. Actually, I feel like recently it, it changed in Paris, but that you know original, replaced it? I think bet to the new star tours. Oh, okay. Yeah, but the original one was still running yeah. there up until, recently. but man, I would love to, I, I wish they would just like as a promotion, bring back. Yeah. The make old it one. one of the sequences. Yeah. That you that can experience, awesome. you know, or make just one of those, ride vehicles have Rex in there. I mean, yeah. they won't now because he's going to be elsewhere yeah. in the park and he has a new job, but yeah, I would love to see it come back. Yeah. How, I mean, this is a, this is a, maybe a good place to end our tour of Disneyland. Well, do you want to walk? Yeah. Over here. Let's, let's head, let's head to the back of the uh, park here. Yeah. I see another big wall. Yeah. Uh, this one's painted. Uh, go away green. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to see here, brown. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're we're standing at the very uh, edge, the outer rim. Oh, of Disneyland. Uh, back here in the back of Frontierland. Yeah. Um, there's a great uh, the the Rivers of America. This this 
uh, Vista here at the at the back has has gone through some changes recently. It yeah. looks really great. Uh, this bridge that you uh, cro- travel across on the on the train, um, but there's this little alcove here, um, and this isn't just Disneyland's edge. No, this is Galaxy's edge. Wow. Soon to come. Opening very soon. Yeah. I think they announced within within months May thirty something. Is yeah, that right? I think May thirty first. Yeah, it's kind of insane to think that it's that soon. Yeah, um, but they are opening the fabled Galaxy's Edge on the Outer Rim, <laughs> the Planet Batu, Black Spire Outpost, <laughs> Resistance Forest. Oh yeah. <laughs> Is something else we we know about <laughs> now? <laughs> We've been getting pieces of this. I think, yeah. I, and I'm I'm I don't want to um, speak for you, but I I think I get the sense that we all all throughout this process we have been like, you know what? Absolutely, do this. You know, we we endorse yeah. this happening. Certainly, yeah. You know, as as people who have grown up being at least somewhat interested in star Wars and, yeah. you know, fans of theme parks and also know. incredibly antagonistic toward it. Yeah. <laughs> star <laughs> <True>. Wars. <laughs> so we want this to happen, yeah. but I, I think either this, this, this probably was calculated, but if, and if so, then they did a great job. But, um, my interest in this in galaxy's edge has gone from, um, acceptance, you know, just sort of like understanding like, well, this is obvious. This was going to happen. Yeah. It doesn't really matter what I care or or what I think of it. Yeah. Um, to the point now where I, I don't know how I'm going to do it. And I certainly don't, I'm not like planning a trip, you Mm -hmm. know, but I am absolutely invested in every single piece of information about galaxy's edge. Yes. And I think, I don't know if it will, it, it certainly won't be the experience that I think it will. You know, if, when I picture myself experiencing Galaxy's Edge, I don't, I don't believe that the real thing is going to be like that. No. And that's okay because right. that's going to be probably even better when it turns out to not be <laughs> what yeah. it is promised to be. Right. You know, but there are certain elements of it and, and there's, there's stuff that I'm already scoffing at. You know, oh, of course. certainly, yeah. But there's other stuff that I just think, I, 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 I think about the best themed experiences that I've that I've had mm-hmm. in life, and and like a lot of them are these like one-off things that aren't part of any big thing. Like we we talked about that Star Trek experience at Las Vegas, yeah. and I told you like how mind blowing it was to think that you're going on like yeah. just a, a simulator ride, and then right. It turns out they've fabricated the entire inside of the ship and you're right. like getting chased by actual board <sighs> characters and stuff. Like that's the level that they're yeah. taking this to right. allegedly. And but it's going to be on such a massive scale mm-hmm. uh that I can't it, it it's really actually hard to comprehend. What excites me about it is um you know, I've I I've talked a lot of on the show, our, our show about how I don't like Star Wars. Um, and, you know, that's that's partly my character, I guess. But right. 
there's definitely an aspect that I just can't stand. And it's kind of the like omnipresent, like marketing yeah. force of, oh, the force of Star Wars and, and how it's no longer, I, I think the the idea that people are, would consider it a nerd thing and it definitely isn't anymore. Yeah. Right. That kind of bugs me. It's as ubiquitous as like football or Yeah, exactly. Whatever. Exactly. But what I do like and what I have always liked, both genuinely and ironically, about Star Wars is how deep mm. the lore is, how stupidly deep <laughs> it gets, like how inane and, and how important those details are um, to some people. Yeah. They're important to me because it's important to me that that things like that are important to anyone. Yeah, like like the idea that it, it's a you know it, it's it's not real, but it's imbued with this importance just by virtue of the fact that it captured someone's imagination. So much so that every little bit of information that you can find about it excites you and, and, you know, you want to know more about it. And that it seems from what we're hearing and what we're, you know, learning about this, that that inanity is in full force. Yeah. And to the point where I heard on podcast, the ride recently, they talked with uh, a journalist, Carly Weissel, I think is her name who she writes for travel and leisure um, and sometimes eater. She got to visit. There was a a group of journalists who got to go visit star Wars land. And um, apparently at the cantina, which the cantina is from Canon. Like there's that cantina has been mentioned before, which is great already. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) But at the cantina, (laughs) <laughs> I know exactly where you're going, you know and I love saying? it. I love it so much. So the, this cantina, apparently in canon, Padme has visited it. Yeah. Right? And this this is this is not in a movie. This is in a novel. In a novel. Yes, An extended exactly. universe thing. Yeah. Already. <laughs> I, it could be just that and nothing else. Right, right. And I'd be so excited That's about awesome. That. They recreated this cantina from a book a novel that, that no one's read. Who read it? Right, yeah. The, the copy editor read it. Yeah. <laughs> Not only that, but they know what drink she ordered. <laughs> so you can walk into this cantina <laughs> and say, I'll have what Padme had. Padme, right? Like of all the characters, yeah, yeah. to to who have <laughs> to have visited this place, like who wouldn't want to walk in the footsteps of Padme? <laughs> right. And what did she have? It was a, uh, an, you know, it white wine. <laughs> it was a particular like yeah, planet yeah, white yeah. wine or whatever. Yeah. Did I now? I, I can't remember if this was mentioned on that episode of Podcast or Ride, or if I read it somewhere. But I, I, my understanding is that that's not on the menu. Oh, and because so, it wasn't on the oh, menu so in genius. the book. Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> she, I am, she just ordered it off menu, and they served uh, it to her. And so that's what you can do. So, you can literally <laughs> recreate the exact experience of ordering something that is not on the menu but is in stock at this fake. 
That's Cantina. amazing. <laughs> like what I I want. So what's really exciting about this is if you think about over in Walt Disney World, they built Pandora. Yeah. The world of Avatar. Which we were all which desperately which, wanting. As much as we joke about, like, no one read this Star Wars book. Yeah. Definitely people read it. And definitely. Sure. There are people and who are like, uh, I want what Padme has. Yeah. If you don't know what it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's absolutely a thing. Totally. No one, no <laughs> one cares. Some people care. Okay. I'll, but just, like, the amount of, like people who don't know about anything when it comes to avatar is yeah. staggering. There's no toys. No, ki- I've, there's no extended universe. There's no, and those cast members still have to know the history of <laughs> that land. Like they have to be able to engage you. Like right. if you ask questions, they've got to know what happened on Pandora. Yeah. 20 cyclones ago. They have- <laughs> So if you think about that, like they went to such degrees of specificity with Pandora. Yeah. That's something that no one knows or cares about. And now apply that to Star Wars where everyone's going to care about it. Yeah. I mean. But, and the great thing is like, like there are going to be so many people that are so invested in every little single detail, but there will still be those people who are just like. You know, walking around. Yeah. Yes. Looking for a turkey leg yes. and a ride to ride. Exactly. And and all of this shit is going to be going oh, on around wow. them. And I just, that's the person that I want to go to Galaxy's Edge with. I don't want to go there with somebody who knows no, about no. it and yeah. who cares about yeah. ordering what Padme ordered. <laughs> I want to go there with somebody <laughs> who thinks we're going to Six Flags. <laughs> yeah. And this is where I take them instead. <laughs> They're completely befuddled <laughs> by what's happening around them. Yeah. It's just really exciting. I, I just love, again, like, that it's, it's such an insane idea that this exists. Yeah. I mean, you could say that about Disneyland sure. in general, right? Yeah. Yeah, but that like, the the it it's it's there are so many things that I am into that are absurd, <laughs> like like in the in terms of like fantasy, science fiction, you know the general person it would be put off by the idea, you know like the like the really weird out there stuff, yeah, that people just can't get past because it's too odd. And this is one of those things in a way, you know, it certainly started that way. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it had the charisma to like break beyond that and, and the excitement to break beyond that, but it, it still has it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so the fact that like this land will exist in Disneyland and random people, like you're saying, <laughs> will have to experience it. <laughs> It's so great, you yeah. know? And, and like, do I wish it was Star Trek? Yes. Yeah. You know, do I wish it was a property that I was... Or actually, maybe I don't, because the fact that I'm not invested in Star Wars in the way that I would be on something that I love mm-hmm. wholeheartedly, I can, like, appreciate this for whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It lowers the bar of enjoyment yeah. considerably. Yeah, yeah. And I love the minutia of Star Wars. I love talking about Star Wars. I just don't like watching it all that much. <laughs> but I love 
the, the detail and the weirdness and the the the, the just <laughs> the scale. The, yeah. the fact that there's seven names <laughs> for this area. <laughs> yeah. So that's coming soon. I don't start planning your trip now. I don't know when I'll see it. Yeah, we should probably get in line. That's a good point. Okay, we'll get in line right now. We're the first people online. Yeah, Galaxy's Edge. We're gonna start the line right here. I'm just clearing a path. I'm clearing away. You yeah, know? we're gonna be here for a little while. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to come by and and tell us something yeah. about these episodes, feel free to leave a comment. Please we'll read do. it. Yeah. We'll we'll respond to it. Yeah, yeah. We got nothing else to do. Um, man, we should have brought the the like sheets and stuff from that room. Oh, yeah. What am I going to do instead? Oh, I don't know. Maybe we can buy a poncho and sleep on that. Good idea. All right. I'll go over there. Can you put this one in the archive until then? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>